This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. There's a swing and a drive to center by Ramos. Back and it goes Ellsbury to the wall. It is gone. Wilson Ramos with a two-run home run. And with one swing of the bat, he's given the Rays the lead. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good morning. Welcome to our latest show. Today we'll focus on the 2008 anniversary with one Rocco Baldelli. We'll reminisce with Dave Andy and B.A. about that 08 season. Senior VP and GM Eric Neander will discuss the trading deadline. Plus, we'll have special interviews with Eric Hinsky and James Shields. We continue on this week in race baseball, and our feature guest this week is one Rocco Baldelli. And, and Rocco, obviously, the big reason why we're speaking with you is because you are the representative of the team now that was part of the 08 team on the field does it feel like 10 years to you in some ways yeah yeah and in some ways it 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 feels like it uh was only a few years ago but yeah it's hard to believe really that there's uh there's no one else here that was actually active or around on the field or on the staff and I hadn't even realized that until you actually brought uh pointed it out to me how special was that year for you for all the teammates that you were involved with that season it's basically the highlight of my baseball career so I mean it's a pretty unique and special moment and in, in time for me you know in some ways you have a lot of really really fond memories and in some ways it also flew by and there are things that are that are kind of a blur um, on you know in your mind but overall it was it was the highlight of my my life on the field and uh, I wouldn't trade those experiences for anything so what was the fondest memory? Because you said there are certainly some fond ones. Or what are the, the group of them that stick out? Well, my, my fondest feeling or memory is just being with that group of guys for that period of time. I wouldn't point to one thing that I have on, on my mind that I always revert back to. I, I, when, you, when you're together with guys and you have something so special come together the way it did, um, you have an attachment to those to those people forever. I mean, you kind of have that bond, and I think it's really cool that we're all coming together this week and, and getting to see a lot of a lot of people who, who, like I said, shared a special moment with you. Did you stay in touch, or had you really stayed in touch with many of them over the years? And if so, who maybe among that group were they? Well, the way baseball is, you run into a lot of guys, and you see a lot of guys over the years. Um, Johnny Gomes has been a friend of mine playing together since the minor league days and you know also when you're still involved in the game it's it's a crazy schedule that you keep so it's really hard to keep in touch and be on the phone and you know uh, talking to people constantly but these are guys that we've run into I mean you could look throughout the game I mean whether it's during the year or in the off season and winter meetings and just running around town here in Tampa you also find that some guys also come back to St. Pete, Tampa, and actually really enjoy being here. Are you surprised Johnny's a coach now, that that he's gone into kind of the same side you are right now? I think Johnny loves being at the field and loves baseball and being with his, uh, I was going to say teammates, but I guess now it's his, there's pupils, but he's a -a one-of-a-kind person, personality. He's one of the, not only was he a good ball player, good talented ball player with power and 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 all that he had personality and he actually made people believe that they were better players than they probably were it's an amazing talent like he could actually get people in a in a frame of mind where they were confident taking the field and their abilities like very few people i've ever been around it's 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 a really cool thing and it's something that 
it's a trait he's had since he was a young guy. Have you been able to do that now, glean that from him and, and help? Because you do work with a lot of guys. Well, it's something that I I wish I could do as well as him. I mean, it's one of those those things where you, you try to learn from everyone. You try to watch everyone around you and try to pick up little things. That would be one thing that I'd love to be able to do someday, to, to have the, the, the players on your team do what you can to make them as confident in their abilities as they can possibly be. That To get back to that 08 team, because obviously you and Johnny and so many others were a part of it, what personal moments for you? Because everyone had a, a moment where they contributed in some way to that team getting to the World Series. What moment for you sticks out and is most special to you? Well, it was a, it was a, a ride for me in that in, there were times early in the year where I didn't know if I would actually be playing at all ever again. And I was trying to figure out a lot of different things about not only my health and baseball career, but just life in general, just trying to, just trying to gain some clarity. So to go from asking... To go from asking those questions to actually coming back and playing at all, was a, that alone was very special for me to even be able to take the field with the team. The team was playing great. This was something we hadn't really experienced much of here in, in St. Pete, Tampa. So just being able to come back, be a part of it, and then to go from there to actually contributing and playing reasonably well and then being on the postseason roster that was I didn't know if I would be on the postseason roster at all so every one of these things was a was kind of you know personal moment for me that meant a lot and on the field itself was there a personal moment that will always stay with you I think I probably have a few Neil it's uh I remember getting a game-winning hit when this was a time where we felt like we were going to win every game and there were guys winning games for the team making you know stepping up and making plays and getting big hits all the time so actually having one of those of my own where you drive in the game winning run was really it was really cool for me um and then going into the playoffs all of those moments in in the playoffs i mean every positive moment in the playoffs that i was a part of i, I won't forget those what do you remember where you were in the dugout in the moment when Aki did step on second? I remember racing out onto the field. I think on a couple, I think it was as fast as I could probably run in those days. And I was never much for outward celebration. And that's just not my personality to get too excited and be, but I just couldn't control myself. I was, I was as happy as I've, I've ever been, um, you know, not just for me, but for every, every one of these guys involved. You went through the tough years, the Devil Ray years. When in 08 did you think all of that really was possible? I don't think we honestly knew. I think a lot of us looked around and saw some some really interesting, talented players. But until you start winning, actually you're, you're tallying up some wins, I think that's when you start seeing the wins and you start gaining some confidence as a group, that's when it happens. So you start getting into April and May and June and the team is – is doing it I think that's when that confidence level really starts to spike and it, you know once you get into July August and September then you're you don't have time to worry about stuff like that anymore you're just going out there trying to win sometimes it helps to know where you've been to know where you need to go as you watch this group grow and this young core build do you see potentially some type of resurgence like that again you look around the field with the players that we have now. You, you see, you see winning players, guys that you can picture on teams that are playoff contending teams, teams that win a ton of games, guys that that play uh, good, basically fundamental, unselfish baseball. Guys that are out there to win, that play well together. I think this team's proven that we can go on some runs and and put together long streaks of of playing good baseball. And I think that we might be on the verge of actually acknowledging to ourselves that we are good. And I think, with, you know, you have to keep proving yourself that, proving it to yourself every day. And I think that uh, with the youth that we have, I mean, that does take a little time sometimes, but I think we're getting there. So are we between 07 and 08 kind of right now? Every one of these teams is so unique, Neil, that I can't it, – it, it's really hard to, to make direct uh, comparisons between the two, but – all you, all you got to do is just start looking around the field and, and you see the ability and you start looking at the, the unique things we're doing pitching-wise and the guys that are going out there in roles they've never really 
experience before and they're succeeding. I mean, it, you're just proving to yourself every day of what you're capable of. And hopefully we get to the point where these guys just completely believe in themselves and they know they can win. How much are you enjoying your role in all of this? Because it was announced your new title this year was Major League Coordinator. What does that now mean? And what do you enjoy most about the role? Well, whenever anything new kind of comes around, at least for myself, I knew that I was comfortable working with the staff and with Kevin and that I thought that it would work out, but I didn't know exactly what the role would entail. And truthfully, I've, my comfort level being out here interacting with the players has has increased. And Kevin's, Kevin's a great guy to work for. I mean, he's made... I'll just speak for myself and not for anyone else, but he's made me extremely comfortable here in a place where I've been for a long time, but he's gone out of his way to help me do my job better. And, and for that, I thank him for that. And in terms of the job that you've, you're doing, what's the, what's the biggest challenge? It's a great question, Neil. I'd say, I mean, I honestly, it's, it's just, dealing with with people and I wouldn't even call it I wouldn't even say the greatest challenge it's it's the thing that basically being a staff member kind of revolves around more than anything else I mean there's a huge baseball aspect to it but dealing with different people every day and trying to touch different guys and and uh, you know kind of unique ways where you kind of get the most out of them that's that's the biggest challenge for me but it's a positive challenge it's something that I look forward to when I show up every day and it's fun like I enjoy showing up to the baseball field and and showing up to work and the challenge of of winning games and, and helping these guys get better so I love it Continue to enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed the 2008 reunion weekend, and thanks for a few minutes. You got it. Thanks, Neil. That's Rocco Baldelli, and this week in Race Baseball, we continue after this on the Race Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. Neil Solon's with you. You heard from Rocco Baldelli. Now time to reminisce about 2008 with two guys who were broadcasting this year and one who now broadcasts as well, but certainly was part of the staff that season. And Brian Anderson, guys, thanks for joining us this morning. Neil, it's good to be here. What um, from the last two days? What did each of you enjoy the most? Well, I, I'm going to start with again being that we were in these same seats in 2008, uh, just seeing the guys and uh, you know just seeing the smiles on their faces, being back inside Tropicana Field and uh, you know talking to Kaz, Upton, Bartlett, uh, you know seeing some of the other guys, Chad Bradford, who I you know might have been the last time I saw him was in 08 or 09, and all of a sudden here he comes walking up to you, you know hand extended, ready to shake your hand and. It was just great to see these guys and uh, reminisce about really a special time for this franchise for anybody who was around here at that particular time. And I couldn't count the amount of goosebumps I got throughout the entire weekend, just thinking back to the final play, thinking back to highlights that they showed, seeing a guy and remembering, like Gabe Gross, uh, how many big plays he made for this team. So, I mean, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps again just thinking about <laughs> the, the fact that, uh, you know, we've had – it was a real – Outside of the games, it was a real fun weekend. I enjoyed being on the field when you and I were doing the introductions, and all around us were the kids of the 08 team that were babies or just being born. I remember Gabe Gross's wife was expectant uh, right around that time, and now that child's a 10-year-old that was jumping up and down when we were introducing her dad. That, to me, was goosebump stuff yesterday because a lot of these kids never saw their dads perform in these, and suddenly you're seeing... they were seeing, kids themselves. Or they were kids. That, yeah, the, the players, players were, were kids, kids themselves. But uh, that, that was pretty special. B.A., I, I could not help but think about you when we were introducing yesterday. 08 began very sad for you. I mean, you, you had to come to that realization that you were at the end of your pitching career. Did any of that wear off during the year, and did you then enjoy the season at all, or was it a, a bittersweet year for you? It, it was a bittersweet year, but w what was fun is, is watching. I remember going to spring training, you know, obviously with the team, with the, the full uh, belief that I was going to play again, and I had a lot of years ahead of me still. And, uh, and so you get into camp with this group, don't know much about them, but just know that it's been an organization and a franchise that hasn't won and, and doesn't know how to win. But there was this underlying quiet confidence in camp that this is going to be a different year. And we are going to not only turn it around, we're going to shock some people. And that was the feeling in camp. It was very strange. And I know that Scott Casimir had come out and talked about that team uh, is going to be able to contend, and he was kind of panned for it. Uh, but that was the belief in camp, and that was what I was a part of for you know three or four weeks. 
then I blow out and realize that taking 2007 off uh, after my second Tommy John, that this was not going to happen. And I was walking along St. Pete Beach the next day thinking, what do I do now? It's too late in camp to go back and do what I was doing back uh, in Cleveland. And certainly I'm not going to be playing. So what am I going to do now? And um, I got a phone call from, from Joe Madden. And uh, he said, listen, I've, I've been talking with Andrew Friedman, and uh, we would love for you to, to stay in the organization, and we'd like to create a position for you, for you and put you on the staff. I had no interest in coaching whatsoever, but how in the world do you turn that down? No. <laughs> and so literally from the second day, I'm out with, you know, getting ready with the, the players, and now my uh, you know, locker is in the coach's room. And I've got a, a, you know, a stopwatch and I've got all of these, you know, a fungo bat, all these different things. So it was a very strange transition. Um, it was bittersweet. But then during the course of the season, watching what these guys were talking about in spring training start to come to fruition and them start to see it through, it got very exciting at the end. No, no question about it. Since you guys brought up the introductions, I'm kind of curious because, B.A., it seemed like you talked for a, a fair amount of time with Soot after you were introduced. Can you expound on maybe what you get, what you shared with her at that point? Because I thought that was one of the nice touches of yesterday's event was having Soot there for everyone to, to kind of welcome and say hi to. Yeah, no, it, it, without without question. And I know that she was honored and, and uh, couldn't believe it. And she said that, you know, she was so um, – I don't know how to – she was just so thankful for that group of players because she said, I don't think that anybody knew that I was going to be on the field. And she said, you wouldn't believe how many of those guys came and found me while she was mm -hmm. sitting in the stands mm -hmm. uh, to, you know, acknowledge her, to, you know, wish her well and, and all of these different things. And yet here she was going to be on the field, and, and they didn't know that. So she was very thankful for that and was, you know, thrilled to have been a part uh, of yesterday. There is no question about that. I think Don Zimmer played a role on that 08 team. I, I think behind the scenes, he was, he was talking a lot with guys, and especially when the team lost seven games going into the All-Star break. And I remember him talking to players and talking to us right around that time about how to handle a moment like that. Because you look back and you think, well, it was smooth sailing. What a great year. That seven-game losing streak was scary because it felt like things were actually falling apart like the rest of the baseball media, the rest of the country was predicting what happened to that team. Losing Kansas City, get swept in New York, get swept four in a row and play terrible baseball in Cleveland. And I can vividly remember Don Zimmer talking to various players about ways to uh, go through that All-Star break. Because when you don't win for seven going in, then you have three or four days for the All-Star break. You don't taste victory for almost two weeks. And uh, I can I very vividly remember him playing a role there, talking to players about how to handle a moment like that. When for each of you was 08 for real, meaning you thought it really had a chance to be a great season? I, I'm, I'm going to go back, and I talk about this all the time, it, the Cliff Floyd walk-off homer against the Chicago White Sox team. It's uh, right around one of those uh, markers for the season. It's uh, it's a you know end of May into June, and you know we're, you're battling it out. The White Sox are a couple of years removed from a uh, World Series championship themselves. They were one of the top teams in the American League Central. So here we go. We're playing a White Sox team that's pretty darn good. We go in there and uh, you know we beat them up, and you know we didn't you know pummel them, but we found a way to win games. And Cliff Floyd walked off on Friday. I think Gabe Gross walked off on Sunday, and uh, this team was finding ways to win. And we were looking at that. Uh, yesterday when we were, again, watching another one-run loss to the Rays. I, I think the, the Rays in one- and two-run games, I think we figured it out, they yeah. were something like 52-26 and 26 that year. Mm. That's finding ways to win games. And also, as we found out, too, that's thankful to Grant Belfort and J.P. Howell, who mm -hmm. was our get-out-of-jail cards. It seemed like they'd come into a lot of games in the sixth, seventh, or eighth innings with men on base with something brewing. And they, I know they probably gave up a run or two once or twice, but it sure seemed like every time they entered a game, you felt like you had a real good chance to win that game. I can tell you the, the it wasn't a, an overnight thing. Partly was when Joe Madden said in, in early June, when I sheepishly asked him, could we be a playoff team? Because at that time, that even then still seemed outlandish. And he said, basically, I'll be disappointed if we don't make the playoffs. And that was in about early June, late May, early June, right around that time Dave's talking about. But uh, to me, it was more of a gradual thing when we started beating pitchers that were good that day when we'd face Halliday, and when he was good against us in years past, we had no shot. 
When Johan Santana was good against us, we had no shot. Suddenly we were beating those ace-type pitchers on days where they were actually good because our pitching went well. B, I am curious, and I, w- I want to make sure we get to this because you were touching on this before we started uh, talking to Neil here, that every player that went through yesterday, Dave mentioned Cliff Floyd, seemed to mention Floyd and Hinsky and the veterans on that team. You were struck, too, by how everyone said that yesterday and how important those veterans were and might be needed for a young team like now for the race. Well, I, I think that um, that is absolutely something that should be looked into because y- they did. I, I mean, I know they mentioned that when, when anytime they sat down with you guys. When they came into the TV booth, same thing. Those two guys got mentioned by every single player that came in to our booth and just talking down on the field and reminiscing about that season because I think when you look at this race team the way it's configured right now, I think finally now in early August, I feel comfortable enough to say that to me – it appears to be a team uh, that plays to its level of competition. You throw out the pinstripes, you throw out the Boston Goofy B uh, on the other side of the field, and guess what? These guys, they show up, they've got energy, enthusiasm, and they are fighting you tooth and nail. But then you see them play some teams like this weekend, the White Sox, going up to Baltimore, uh, teams that they should be mopping the floor with, and they don't seem to have the same energy level now now individual guys do but i mean as a collective you just don't feel that same energy level that you do when they play the big boys and it's becoming something that that is is noticeable now it's a little bit more of a trend and that's where sometimes you need that strong veteran voice to teach these guys and and realize that at this level at the major league level the margin between victory and defeat is very very thin you have got to learn to bring it every single day and challenge yourself to be great. Challenge yourself to be great and your team to be great. Who cares who's on the other side of the field? If you take care of your business, you're going to beat whoever's over there and not necessarily play to the level of competition. That's just an observation that's you know four or five months in the works and people may have different opinions. And we were just listening to the Rocco Baldelli yes. in the previous segment, uh, Neil, that you had and it was mm-hmm. a great interview. Where Rocco said a guy like Johnny Gomes was good oh. for the clubhouse too because yeah. Johnny Gomes could make a guy who on a scale of 1 to 10 might be a 6 player but make him feel like he's a 9 or a 10 player. And I think that goes a long way on days like today against opponents like today's opponent where you know you might think you're going to just roll the baseball out there and beat him but you, you've got to bring it like you said and Johnny Gomes would make sure that you would bring it because he was bringing it. And I think you know those are elements of the clubhouse that you know we, we kind of heard about and, and you know have passed that story along but it was reiterated time and time and time again the last couple of days. I wanted to ask something to to BA about this team because what we're talking about is uh, uh, energy and enthusiasm and and getting that 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 strong vibe every day when you go to the ballpark that you're going to win. Is it fair to say for this team or have you noticed at all? It seems to me that pitchers that we are more familiar with that maybe the guys are more comfortable with their scouting report on maybe they're in their heads about it they do better against. When we're facing guys that we don't see much, those Marlins pitchers, none of which were overwhelmingly strong, Straley and Richards and, and Lopez, or yesterday, Rodon, we don't see a whole lot. Uh, is there something to that, too, that the, the, the pitchers that we don't see a lot, the reason aren't making adjustments against those guys that they're seeing first and second times in their careers? You, you know, you, you could make that case, uh, you know, but at the same time, Think about the Houston series. Mm-hmm. We don't see those guys very much either, but they showed up. They and w- they put a hurting on them. I mean, if, as far as the way that they came in, mm-hmm. you know, throwing the ball basically all season long and the way that the Rays uh, hitters and the approach um, were against them. It, it's just that's why I say to that, that level of competition. And here's the, the caveat is I love this group. Mm-hmm. This team is one of the more fun, likable teams that, that you can get behind yep, down to a man. And you really root for these guys. Uh, But you do see that element of, boy, when the lights shine bright, they play big. Mm -hmm. And when the lights dim a little bit, sometimes it looks like the play dims Mm -hmm. a little bit. That's that's really all. And part of that is the youth. You know, part of that is the youth and, and realizing that, that, you know, boys, we, every day, every day we've got to come out and bring it. And, and this group, they have that DNA. It's just a matter of flipping that switch. The older Weaver line, this ain't football. We do this every day. <laughs> Guys. That's right. <laughs> Not easy. Yeah. No doubt. Awesome stuff. Thanks for reminiscing with us, and uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll have you on next month again. All right, Neil, thanks. Great. Glad to help you out. See you, Neil. You got it. Let's pause for station identification of the Race Baseball Network. This is 620 WDAE St. Petersburg. It is gone! WPTP HD3 Clearwater. And 95.3 FM. Home of the Rays.
All right, the focus on today's show, 08, and also the trading deadline. I asked Senior VP and GM Eric Neander where this organization is better off now than before the trades were made. I, I don't think, you know, Tommy Pham was uh, an acquisition of an accomplished major league player that that um, that has a track record and should fit in and, and produce, and we know that. But uh, outside of him, you know, in, in the transactions we made, uh, we brought in a lot of pieces that were – ready for major league opportunity you know that doesn't mean they're going to be guaranteed they're not guaranteed success at the major league level but guys that have a lot of upside that have a lot of hope that fit areas um where we had some need like michael perez at catcher that um really i think where we are is you know we've further strengthened uh, the young group of players that we have that have an incredible amount of talent you know they're not all going to transition successfully to the big leagues that's unlikely but when you have the numbers that we do and certainly where we are now compared to where we were a month ago, um, it only increases our chances of this being a group that clicks and that wins and ideally does it for a long time. Let's look at some of the transactions that were made on deadline day. First, Wilson Ramos. A lot of fans have asked, okay, why didn't you get more? How much of that had to do with injury and how much of moving him had to do with also having Michael Perez and Jesus Sucre in place? Yeah, in terms of you know the the return itself that that part's not necessarily up to us you know ultimately we have to make a decision um to retain the player <laughs> or to trade him to another organization for the best offer that's that's on the table uh, in this situation we preferred to do the latter a large part of that was because of the acquisition of michael perez and upon getting michael here we wanted to give him the opportunity to play. We wanted to see what we had. He does not have any major league experience, and the time that he's going to have over the next two months to learn our pitchers, for us to learn him, is really, really important. And when Wilson comes back, given the caliber of player he is, he also needs to play. You have to do right by a veteran player, even if your playoff chances are diminished. You you need to give him the opportunity um, to play the game and to get the at-bats that he deserves. So uh, it would have been very difficult for us to get the look we wanted to out of – Michael Perez, while also doing right by Wilson. So ultimately, we felt it was best to take the, you know, the, the best offer we had on the table and to put Wilson into a situation where he can continue his rehab, get healthy, and then join a team that is fighting for a playoff spot and um, you know, could very well be playing into October. And the player to be named, this is a question I get a lot from fans, is it kind of a sliding scale based on how well he does or how healthy he is and how quickly he returns? Yeah, I, I think, you know, every case when it comes to player to be named later are different. So uh, because of Wilson's injury and timetable, this is one where, you know, there's enough uncertainty around the player where there's a little flexibility that uh, has been provided within the deal for that. But, um, you know, at the same time, out of the respect to, you know, the, the Phillies organization and the situation that, you know, don't want to be too revealing about the, the details mm-hmm. of it. Other than to say, I think it's fair in this particular case that the, the flexibility was in part um, driven by Wilson's timetable and some of the uncertainty about his, you know, around his return. Let's move on to Tommy Pham. You mentioned an accomplished major leaguer, a guy who fits in. Why does he fit in well with this group? And how difficult was it to part with minor leaguers and prospects? Because generally, you guys are not one who's going to make that kind of move. Yeah, our focus has certainly been on, I think, in most of the cases, as it was this deadline, being on the other side of transactions like that. But at the same time, with the three years of control beyond this season still left on Tommy and, and how we have him evaluated as a player, we don't we, we see him very similarly today as we did a year ago. And I know the stat lines and what's on the surface is different, but what's underneath us looks looks very similar. And that's not to say he's gonna get here and put up numbers like he did last year, but we think he's someone that's an established, you know, above average to well above average, you know, well rounded major league outfielder. And for us, right handed hitter that has power, that has foot speed, that's established uh, we didn't necessarily have that within our more youthful group. So the opportunity to get him with three years remaining on his deal uh, and to plug him in an area where as excited as we are about a lot of the talent we have on hand and that's coming, this is an area that, you know, was a little bit more thin for us. So uh, the price was right in our minds to be opportunistic and to bring him in. And, you know, we, we feel good enough about the young group we have that they're going to be competitive and to be competitive soon. And you can't always time things up perfectly. And the opportunity was there for us today <laughs> to acquire Tommy. And we're hopeful that going into next year, that puts us in a better position to be successful and to be competing for a postseason spot. And when you say position where you were a little thin, right-handed hitting talented outfielder but you did have to give was the hardest give in this genesis cabrera because he's only 21 and he's left-handed yeah, they're both difficult um 
you know, with Justin, you're talking about somebody that, you know, has the ability to impact the baseball uh, as hard as, as anybody. Um, and, you know, Genesis, a left-handed arm with uh, the upside he has to be in a position where he's going to, you know, likely hit AAA, you know, next year, just having been put on the 40-man roster with all the flexibility and time to develop, that's, that's really appealing. And so these are two young players that have upside and are very likely to be major league contributors and could be more than that. Uh, so it wasn't easy, but at the same time, in the case of Justin, you know, left-handed hitting outfield depth is an area where we have, we're, we're a bit more uh, full in a sense. So we felt okay kind of moving someone from a position of surplus, so to speak. And uh, with Genesis, it was just, that was the, as much as we like him, that was the cost of doing business to acquire, you know, an outfielder that fits us well and someone we really like. And then obviously the biggest deal and the one that's most talked about is Chris Archer. And look, I know what he's meant in the community and what he's meant uh, to this organization over time. But if I would have told you, let's say a month ago, that you would have the type of package offered, I would think it probably would have been very difficult, and it was difficult in this case. You couldn't say no. Am I correct? Yeah, I, I think in terms of the return itself, look, you're, you're talking about a, a high-end pitcher that, you know, the performance is the performance, and everyone knows exactly what that is. But there's so much more to him uh, that, that goes into appreciating him and the things he does, not only for the team and for the younger players in the clubhouse, but just also the community. And at the end of the day, you know, that's stuff that's very relevant and very impactful uh, when it comes to the the perception, the perception of a franchise and the way that they do business. So, you know, for us, we, we throughout the last several years, as Chris was kind of a walking trade rumor, the way it went, you know, we, we had a very high price tag on him and, and felt it was warranted for all the reasons just mentioned. And uh, Pittsburgh was in a situation where they got hot, you know, they got back into the mix and uh, really wanted to make a statement and, um, you know, where their interests were, where their motivations and the, the desire to do something now and to make that impact and to create that buzz was there. And for us, they had the right pieces that, you know, the, the work we did at this deadline, we weren't trading for guys that were 18 years old. You know, our focus was a bit on trying to add some upside to this group that can help us, you know, over the next couple of years and, and pay immediate dividends. So the timing worked. It was there. Not necessarily surprised given Arch's talents, but, um, you know, something I hopefully think will work out well for both sides. The two main pieces that you've gotten for the now, Austin Meadows, Tyler Glass, uh, now, what do you think they can be in this organization? Well, we've talked a lot about depth. We've talked a lot about strength in numbers over time. And, um, you know, we, we have a lot of talent in our system. Um, this, this was a deal where, you know, both with Tyler and Austin, you're talking about physically two people that have about as much upside from a physical standpoint to impact the game at the highest level as anyone you'll come across. And, and that was something that, um, you know, while they come with, you know, some risks and, and there's been an opportunity to poke some holes in each of their games, uh, the, the upside they possess is something that with the depth we have, that to have a chance to get some guys that have the physical upside that they have was really, really appealing. So, um, you know, these are, these are guys that if it clicks, you have, you have impact-type physical abilities. And to put that with the rest of the group we have, the high-quality baseball players, um, you know, we, we need that because you look at New York, you look at Boston, they have really good baseball players, and they also have high-end physical specimens that can impact the game <laughs> through their strength and athleticism. So to add guys like that that, you know, give us a chance to, to go toe-to-toe with them in time, if, if everyone blossoms the way we hope they will, you know, that's, that's our best chance to compete and have success. But the high-end ability of both those guys is real, and it's not far off. And the third player probably would be further away. Would you find out who that is, or Rays fans will find out in a month? Is that pretty reasonable-ish? Yeah, I think our expectation is that's something that should be resolved um, by the end of the season. And just out of respect to Pittsburgh, and mentioned earlier in the Wilson with the player to be named later, just want to be respectful of the privacy of you know uh, the other organization as well, in this case Pittsburgh, and uh, we'll see how things play out. But I would say we're hopeful to have a resolution to that by the end of the year. DFAing Dani Echevarria is a guy you didn't get a trade for, but how important was it for Willie Adamas to kind of have peace of mind? I mean, the day after you DFA'd him, he had a homer, he had a big single – just to know that, okay, he's the guy, and also for Adani to get him the best opportunity you could. It was time, you know, and it, and, and I think Cashy acknowledged it. It's a, it's a tricky situation. You're talking about someone in Adani that's a, you know, a, a highly talented major league shortstop that I think deserves the opportunity to play. And with Willie, you know, as we've been doing, we're making a commitment to younger players. And with the younger players, you need patience. The expectations are not that day one they're going to come in and 
set the world on fire and hit the ground running. They don't all do that as much as we want them to. And you have to have patience. And it's difficult when you know you have an ultra reliable glove and a Daney that's there. And Willie is trying to just get his feet under him and for us to have the patience. Those are kind of conflicting forces that can be a challenge to manage when our team, you know, has been remained competitive, you know, and, and winning games this year still does matter. Uh, but, you know, it, it got to a point where we felt it was best for, for Willie. We felt it was best for Hatch. We felt it was best for our club to to make the decision to uh, to move on from Indani and to give him an opportunity to land on his feet somewhere where there's uh, a better fit for him and to give Willie the peace of mind that, hey, you're our guy and we're not going to kick you to second base. We're not going to send you to the minor leagues. Um, it's it's your time and we're going to stick with you and give you a chance to blossom and uh, a regular opportunity. And finally, you over, let's say, two years have basically remade the entire big league roster. I guess from a fan standpoint, there's always going to be moves you make, but now I guess we're going to see kind of a stable core the next few seasons. Would that be fair to say? I hope so. You know, that's that's the plan. And, and, and you look at the deals that we made this, this month, um, those were all deals that by and large brought back from Jalen Beeks to Michael Perez to Glasnow to Austin Meadows um, and, and, and so forth. That you're, you're talking about players that can plug into this unit. And, you know, there was a time for several years where it was very future-focused and, you know, we gladly take, you know, prospects that we liked at any level. Um, but Things, you know, the timing of where we're at, things start to turn to having a greater mindfulness for putting together the most functional major league team that we can. And, you know, certainly these moves, I think, further indicated that that's where we're at. So uh, uh, the hope is that these guys flourish, that they develop the way that, that we want them to. You know, history suggests that not every prospect and young talent you're excited about will uh, ultimately be that. But we think we've picked a lot of the right ones that have a good chance to do it. And... Uh, if the most of them do take that step and establish themselves as good major league players or more than that, this this could be a special group and it could stay that way for a long time. And that's Ray's Senior Vice President and General Manager Eric Neander on the moves at the trading deadline. Coming up, we will hear from a couple members of the 08 team. That's Eric Inski and James Shields. We continue in just a moment. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Time now on This Week in Rays Baseball for our latest feature on 20-year employees in this 20th anniversary season. Hi, this is Tom Foley. I, my title is Special Assistant to Baseball Operations. I started with the Rays, or then Devil Rays, in August of 1995. So what do you remember about the time that you were hired? I had, what do I remember? I just uh, got done playing. Ten years, I mean, ten days I had to wait to see what was going to happen on the tenth day Chuck Lamar called me and said, I'd like to talk to you, but it's not about playing anymore. Well, it just so happened a couple months later, I took the job as field coordinator, farm director, and that was 23 years ago. What's been the best part about your time with the race? I just think the people. I mean, I'm you know, 23 years is a long time, and there's a lot of faces that have come and gone. Uh, there's been some constants here. But uh, for the most part, it's the people that you work with, uh, that you get close to. You see the, and the kids you work with uh, that work through the minor leagues, get back up, and here they are in the big leagues that make a name for themselves. That's what you like to see. So, yeah, I, I think in general the game is great. I love the organization, but it's the people. What's your greatest personal accomplishment in your 23 years with the race? Or what are you proudest well, you know, of? If I have to think about it, I really must, might not have accomplished anything. <laughs> uh, just being a probably a part of the the big league club when we went to the world series you know we i mean and we're celebrating that uh here at the trop and it's yeah i think that's probably it uh to get there to get to the playoffs to get to the world series was a big part of for me because i never did as a player and to, and to get that opportunity to have these players give me that chance to do that was great You've got a lot of funny stories, so give me one funny story about yourself that's memorable in your time with the Rays. Oh, uh, I was coaching third base, and we're in Minnesota, and uh, it was the, the Metrodome, and I haven't had a base runner come to third base all day, and the crowd knew it, and so it's the top of the ninth inning, and uh, they're yelling, hey, Foley, you haven't done anything all night, let's play Simon Says, and I never do anything uh, that the crowd says at third base, and they, they say, come on, let's go. Simon says, take a step forward. And I'm thinking, no, I'm not going to do this. But I said, what the heck? And took a step forward. They went crazy. The whole dugout's looking at me. And I'm holding up my hands like, I don't know what they're yelling about. 
And uh, yeah, that's the first time I ever interacted with a visiting crowd because you know you just want to you just want to stay unseen in the visiting atmosphere, but that was that was probably the funniest. Congrats to Tom Foley on 20-plus years and hopefully many more fun years to come in his latest role with Tampa Bay. Foley was a third-base coach in 2008, and this weekend, of course, is the 10th anniversary of the 2008 team. Eric Hinsky couldn't be there because he's the hitting coach for the Angels, but I did speak with him this week when Los Angeles was in town, and I asked if it feels like it's been 10 years. No, it doesn't. I mean, time flies. I was just telling... Uh couple of guys inside like man it feels like it was yesterday it really does and uh, 10 years later I'm a hitting coach <laughs> there are so many guys from that team that are still involved in the game in some way shape or form you look at you I know Percy's involved Cliff Floyd Carlos Pena on MLB Network yeah. a lot did you see a lot of guys in that clubhouse who you thought would still be involved in the game making an impact in other ways yeah for sure I mean there was a lot of leaders on the team two of you all those guys you spoke of Percival uh, Cliff Floyd Carlos Pena and myself uh, we were all kind of the leaders of that club so it's uh it's pretty neat we're still giving back you know you were so unique in that you were in a stretch there of being on three World Series teams for three different clubs and I know you won the other was once with uh, Boston New York but yeah. did the one with the Rays why was it special to you because it was the Rays first yeah, um, this it was just kind of a perfect storm of, of veteran dudes mixed with a bunch of young talent that just we all got along. It was like clubhouse chemistry in there was was uh, the epitome of it, you know. So it, we on and off the field we had fun together. We went and played played hard on the field, and then we'd we'd all go have a drink after, or go get dinner and stuff, and it was just a a great a great time to be a Ray for sure. When did you think that team really had a chance? I think. Through the first two months, and then in June, we stayed consistent through it. And I'm like, man, we're, we're good. And these guys are so young, they really didn't even know how good they were. But I did, you know, and I was like, wow, this is, this is great. Because uh, our starters were good, our bullpen was nasty. And, and then when Percy went down, they called up David Price. And, you know, what that was all about. So uh, the talent was deep. I mean, all those first-round picks all showed up at the same time. And we mixed in some veteran guys, and it was fun, a lot of fun. Everyone had special moments during that year. What were the moments that are going to stick out to you and why? First, I was on a minor league deal. I couldn't get a job after being on a World Series team uh, with Boston. And I made the team. I was opening day right fielder, and I hit a home run off Jeremy Guthrie. I remember that. I remember the fight uh, with Coco Crisp and James Shields. <laughs> that was intense. And then just, you know, getting through the White Sox, getting through Boston to go to the World Series, uh, obviously losing it was bad but my two memories of the World Series for me were it was a pinch hit home run and obviously striking out at the end but I wouldn't give that away man it was an opportunity and and I lived it you know so it was, it was amazing and it was there was some irony in the fact that you were activated for an injured Cliff Floyd yeah. and you guys were really two of the centerpieces in terms of the the leadership there yeah and we're still boys like every time I see him we're always like what's up and you know try to go get get a drink or some dinner or something and uh uh, yeah, he got he went down. I got activated. and I hit a home run. I hadn't had that bat in like three weeks, and and it was it was amazing. And and then you know to get an opportunity to be the last out or hit of the World Series was uh, was great as well. And Joe Joe showed faith in me, and uh, Brad Lidge was good that year. And I was kind of curious too about you know I failed to mention one of the other guys who was a fairly important guy in that clubhouse. That's Johnny Gomes, yeah. um, and Johnny's now coaching too, which I, yeah. probably doesn't surprise you. Not at all. We we actually live kind of close to each other in Arizona, and he took the the rookie ball hitting coach job for the Diamondbacks to stay in the game. And I think as you get older and you become a veteran and want to want to lead men, want to you know when it's all about winning and not about your numbers or yourself. Uh, you want to give that back. You want to teach people how to do it the right way. And that's all five of us. was that, That's what we were doing in the clubhouse, and, and I think that's what made it so special with those young guys. And I spoke with Rocco Baldelli about this too. I'm kind of curious because you're watching from the other side, and you're only seeing us for a short period, but there's a lot of young talent over there now. What do you think and how far away are they? Because, I mean, you're only here with the race for one year, but you saw it blossom. It appears they're starting to build again toward that. I like their bullpen. It seems like every guy in there throws 100 miles an hour. So uh, they definitely have young arms. The offense, they look scrappy. Everybody's out there to, to do what they can to try to produce runs. They look they look like they're moving in the right direction that way. And, I, I mean, I played with Kevin Cash. I know Kevin pretty well. He's a great dude, and he's the right guy for the job. And, and it looks like a young a young team that's really hungry and wanting to win ball games. and they're in a tough division, but 
their record's pretty good right now and just keep playing hard every day, and that's what they're doing. And beyond the guys that you mentioned, who else have you stayed in touch with from that 08 team as they get yeah. recognized this weekend? Um, well, I pl- Justin Upton's on this team, which BJ's his brother, and uh, I just played golf with BJ in Seattle. He came to see his brother, tried to stay in touch with him. But Evan Longoria, he lives in Arizona. We're members at the same golf course. We played golf probably 10 times in offseason together, so we're, we're still super tight, and uh, it's always good to see Evan. And it was good to see Eric Hinsky this week as well. Hey, $2 Kids Tuesdays presented by Morgan Auto Group continue this Tuesday when the race goes through Orioles. You can purchase $2 tickets for kids 14 and under with the purchase of a full-price adult ticket. All fans can get $2 hot dogs presented by Cam Franks. Call 888-FAN-RAISE or go to raisebaseball.com slash specials. Of course, the 08 reunion was held this weekend in part, so James Shields, who starts today for the Chicago White Sox, could be here. And James says time certainly has flown by since 2008. Yeah, it doesn't feel like 10 years. I mean, uh, it's just crazy how time flies. But it's, uh, it's. I mean, it's, what a what a fun time right now. Seeing all the boys uh, back in 10 years ago and and hanging out with them and just uh, you know enjoying some memories. Being here for this weekend, what kind of memories rush back as you come back into this ballpark? Man, just I mean, it just gives you like the chills, you know. I mean, it's like the first time you ever went to the playoffs. I mean, it was. It's a whole different ball game, you know, and be able to go to the World Series and, and just how this town blew up. I mean, it was like, you know, the, the Ray Hawk, you know. I mean, just, I mean, everyone was dying their hair blue. And, I mean, it was just such an incredible time for the city and the fans and, and us as players. So it's really cool to, to come back and uh, hang out with these guys for a little bit. So many people consider you such an important piece of that. What? How do you like your Rays career to be remembered here? You know, I just hope everyone – knows what kind of a player I was you know all the stats aside I, I don't really care about the stats I just care about you know hopefully everyone remembers me as being a competitor and being a bulldog out there and just really being a diehard team player you know and and uh and a good teammate you know and and um you know hopefully that, that that's what everyone thinks of me as and and uh you know obviously I'm still playing but that, that's just my whole goal my whole career is to have fun and and compete my compete uh you know every five days your children do you tell them talk ever do they ask you questions ever about that year I mean you went to the World Series yeah. again after that yeah. but do they ever ask you questions yeah I mean my my oldest daughter was uh she was full-blown into it man I mean she was she's almost 15 years old now so you know so she remembers every moment of it so we always talk about it in the good times and she's actually she uh, had high school tryouts uh, uh, for volleyball, um, you know, th- this week. So she's flying out today to come. She wanted to come hang out with uh, the crew. So, yeah, they always talk about it. And, you know, I just tell them how much fun it was and, and uh, you know, how much I enjoyed the moment. What were the most enjoyable moments and memorable moments from that season for you? I mean, for me, it was just the uh, just being with the boys and, and, and celebrating and, and uh, you know, being able to accomplish something that we've dreamt about as little kids our whole entire life. That was the first time I've ever been to a playoff game, let alone a World Series, and let alone win a World Series game. So um, unfortunately, we came up short, but what a magical season that was. When did you think it was going to be a magical season? When were the moments where you're like, wow, this can be something? I think really in spring training, we really thought we had a good team coming out of spring training. You know, I think that we really just came into our own about midseason and uh, realized that we weren't going to take any any stuff from anybody anymore. We're not the little brother anymore, and and we're going to go out and we're just going to go ahead and win this thing. And and we had that confidence and that swagger about us, that good swagger. You know, I mean, we we were all confidence, but to me, you have to play, you have to have a little confidence and swagger to play this game of baseball. And and um, and we had that, and we had a lot of fun doing it. And um, hopefully, uh, you know, we put on a show for everybody. Is there a personal moment? For you on the mound, any any start, any outing that sticks out from that year? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, I've always told people one of my favorite things I've ever done in my career is win a game in the World Series. You know, unfortunately, it was the only win that we had that year, but that's just something that I always remember. You know, um, I'm only missing one thing in my career, and that's a that's a World Series ring. So I'm looking for that over the next couple of years, but. You know, it's always nice to look back and say I did win a game in the World Series. I would assume that means you want to continue playing after after this year then. Yeah, I'm not done yet, man. I'm not done yet. I feel really good. My body feels good. This is the best it's felt in five years, you know. So um, a lot of people don't understand the, 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 the grind that we go through on a daily basis. This is my 13th season, 18th in pro ball. You know, we, we beat our bodies up. I mean, I think I threw my 40,000th pitch in the big leagues this year. So that's a lot of, lot of, lot of pitches, but I feel really good this year, and, and uh, hopefully we can, we can string together a couple more years here. 
Obviously, you still love the game. You know, I think we talked about your legacy a little bit, and I think any time a guy doesn't go seven innings or two runs, you know, think of you and the standard you set, or, hey, if you don't like it, pitch better. I mean, those are some things that probably stand out from the outside looking, and they're still here. Yeah, I mean, that was my main goal, is to go as deep as I possibly can. I mean, I got to, I'm not an old-school pitcher, but I'm an old-school soul, man, and, and, uh, and at the end of the day, that's that was my main goal, is to go as deep as I possibly can. I don't care how many runs I gave up. I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to, I, I just feel like it, it's the definition of a workhorse, you know, is to be able to go take the rock and go as deep as you possibly can, and, and maybe throw 110, 120 pitches, you know, on an every five-day basis. So, you know, for me, that's what I prided myself in, and, and I'm hopefully going to reach that 200 plateau mark again this year. So, um, you know, I'm still still at it. You know, so we're good. And I think people also remember the impact you had in the community here and how you helped families unite. That's still here. Yeah, I mean, uh, I actually uh, did a little interview piece uh, in Chicago on the, the Big Game James Club, you know, the foster children, the foster program they have here and, and what we started here um, and created and the fact that the Rays are still doing it. And it, it means a lot to me and my wife and, and uh, you know, to be able to see those kids' faces and be able to get some uh, some kids adopted out of the program. I mean, it's, what a special thing. I mean, this is such an amazing organization. I was in this organization for 12 years, and, and they, they, they do things the right way here. Um, there's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, we really appreciate them continuing that program. Yeah. Certainly part of a terrific legacy that James Shields has left during his time with the Tampa Bay Rays. And uh, special thanks to James and all of our guests on today's program. A great combo savings are available every Thursday home game, including this Thursday, when the Rays wrap up their homestand against the Orioles. You can get a $19.98 ticket combo that includes a 20-ounce bottled Coca-Cola beverage and chips with each ticket purchased. For more information, go to RaysBaseball.com. Special thanks not only to James Shields, but all our guests on the program today. Major League Field Coordinator Rocco Baldelli for reminiscing about 2008. Same for Dave and Andy on the radio side and Brian Anderson from Fox Sports Sun as well as Senior VP and GM Eric Neander for going on what happened during the trade deadline, plus now Angels hitting coach and certainly a big part of the 08 team in one Eric Hinsky. You know, we had so many good 2008 interviews to reminisce. We couldn't include them all on this show. So what we're going to do is incorporate them into part of all our shows throughout the course of the month, including guys like Aki Iwamura, Jason Bartlett, B.J. Upton, Grant Balfour, Gabe Gross, Fernando Perez, and many others. So look forward to that. Next week on the program, you'll hear from guys from the 2008 season, but also hear from shortstop Willie Adamas about his rookie campaign. Of course, if you ever have something you want to hear on today's show, all you have to do is tweet me. You can tweet at Neil Solans or at Rays Radio, for that matter, as well. Thanks to my producer, Len Martez, for a terrific job on today's program. Neil Solans with you. Stay tuned. Rays and Chicago White Sox. Last of three. Pre-game show next on the Rays Baseball Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.